Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, what is up, what is up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Thursday, April the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the draft series continues with the front seven. Currently, Miami is made up of Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, and then a bunch of, well, you know, it's a big area of need. We'll talk nose tackles, two techs, three techs, four eyes, and five techniques. We'll get into a Trey Flowers clone and strong side backers and everything in between on the defensive side of the football as far as the front seven goes. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps us climb the iTunes charts, and that's how the podcast is graded and judged. Helps me look good with my boss, so I appreciate that. Please tell a friend about the podcast, and follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We are coming off record-breaking weeks every single week on the website and on the podcast, so we thank you all for that. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. During draft season, you can't go wrong with the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have a busy show, as we always do, every single day. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we start this podcast looking at the beef inside because where is the beef? We do have Devon Gotcha and Vincent Taylor, but I want to explain exactly what the Dolphins look for at this position group. And they've talked a lot about this as, you know, this coaching staff won't divulge a whole bunch in terms of what they want to tell you about their plans. And it is March right now. I'm recording this on a Sunday when the Dolphins signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was a bit of a shock because really... No one really had that peg to the Dolphins. There was a couple of sources out there, but nothing like the Tyrod Taylor interest or the Teddy Bridgewater interest. It's tight-lipped and tight-sealed in the Davy facility now these days. But they did talk about ideal prototypes at these positions. Patrick Graham, in particular, mentioned he wants two gapped, heavy-handed players with good eye discipline, a strong base and good pad level with the ability to clap, collapse the pocket with bull rushes. They want to have gap integrity. And I do think Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor fit this mold pretty much to a T. But Miami does need some more beef in the rotation, much in the way Danny Shelton would come off the bench, that mountain of a man in New England, but also someone that can win as a pass rush inside on third down and those guys are kind of unicorns so understand that that is not easy at all to find but that's the type of player we're looking for here as far as interior presence goes and you have to start with the two guys from Clemson when we look at the first round because we all know Dolphins defensive line coach Marion Hobby formerly coached at Clemson on the defensive line and he recruited these players we start with Christian Wilkins because he has that phenomenal inside presence as a pass rusher he is super pliable I don't know if you guys are hard knocks or maybe it was even all or nothing the shows from NFL films where they followed the Rams on both it was hard knocks and all or nothing and they had a clip of Aaron Donald doing yoga and he was able to take one of those bars and bend it back over his head and like disjoint his shoulders and elbows and relock back into place and that's a big reason why he is so damn impressive that pliability 
And that's what Christian Wilkins is. You'll recall the national championship game, I think it was three years back now, when he did the splits on the national championship podium with his t-shirt and football pads still on. He's quick and explosive as hell with terrific lateral movement. He will get utterly washed out in the run game at times, and that's why I'm scared of him at pick number 13. But as we continue to harp on, I think Miami punts out of that 13th spot, so maybe you can get him later on down the draft board. And the exact same thing goes for his teammate, Dexter Lawrence, regarding taking him at the 13th spot. He's a different type of player, though. He comes in right around 340 pounds, a sheer beast with the athleticism to match. He's not as dominant as a rusher, but you simply will not move him off the ball in the running game. And I think he has those heavy hands and eye discipline the Dolphins will like on the inside. And what I mean by the heavy hands is the ability to wipe away the initial punch and reset the rep. That's what allows the big interior lineman to two-gap, and by two-gap we mean they are responsible for defending each shoulder of the man they line up in front of them. Under Chris Kusarek in Miami, it was a one-gap scheme, and that was get to the gap as fast as you possibly can and occupy that gap. Just hope that you guessed it right once you get there and find the football. But this is more studious in nature and requires a lot more lower body power compared to the quickness and get-off of guys like Charles Harris or Cam Wake or whoever you might put in that spot. Now, another guy in this position who is intriguing as hell is Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State. He's a top five player in this draft, if not for two things, two big things, I should mention. A terrible video of him striking a woman back when he was in high school. Now, I don't condone this, so please don't take it that way, but I do believe in second chances, and he has repaired that image by being a model citizen during his time in college at Mississippi State. And like I said, it was in high school. We make mistakes, some bigger than others. This one, obviously, about as big as you can get. The second was a torn ACL, which really allows you to get value later on in the first round. He's everything you want at the position. He's got a great get-off, great pad level, a tremendous power, a phenomenal rusher, run defense. He's terrific. And hey, if 2019 doesn't matter to this team, then why not trade back and draft him in the end of the first round and just redshirt him for the first six, seven weeks while he gets healthy and then bring him back maybe at the end of the year or just 2020. That's the idea with Jeffrey Simmons. And then Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame is cut from the same cloth in terms of his interior rush prowess. But it's the inconsistencies in his game that makes him probably an option in round two because you go back to his Stanford tape where he had four sacks. That was the upside. He was unblockable on the inside as a pass rusher. But those stretches of plays are few and far between. Then we fall back into late day two, early day three, and the options just keep on coming at this loaded, loaded class. It's unreal how deep this defensive line group is, and I know you guys know that, but we take a peek here at Kalen Saunders from Western Illinois, Dalen Mack out of Texas A&M, Daniel Wise out of Kansas, who is the brother of Dietrich Wise, a Patriot up there in New England, Gerald Willis from the U, Rennell Wren out of ASU. The hits just keep on coming and coming and coming. A guy like Wise... Daniel Wise from Kansas, that is, has the versatility you'd like to be able to play in multiple positions. I think that will be a big part of what they look for at the defensive end position. We'll get into that in the next segment here. But guys that can kick inside and rush from the interior on passing downs, a lot like Trey Flowers with the Patriots and now Michael Bennett up there as well. And I think this is a good spot to get to my guy, Charles Amenahu, because frankly, I'm not sure what position you would consider him, but he does a lot of four-point stance work where he contains the edge at Texas with that two-gap mentality. But his tape against Kyler Murray was very impressive, at least 
as impressive as you can get chasing around the uncatchable man, but he has the perfect body and perfect traits to do some of the things inside and out on this defense. I think he will be very, very high on the Dolphins draft board. Dalen Mack and Rennell Wren might be a little bit too squatty body, and that means more compact and lower to the ground in terms of being more power players, which is what you want, but being a little bit short on their length and not able to control the rep with longer arms that can lock out. They do explode out of their stances and don't really fit the two-gap mold, but I think they deserve mention because they are both very good-looking players. Talked about Kalen Saunders. He was the star of Senior Bowl week, had a baby during the practices, flew back home, came back down for the game, and played pretty well. He can do backflips, shows you the kind of athlete he is. He dominated those practice, and then he didn't test well in Indianapolis, and that's maybe a good thing as the Dolphins could possibly scoop him up in the fourth round now. That's probably selling him a little bit low, but that's my hope anyway. And you guys all know about Gerald Willis. The Dolphins have had private meetings with him that I can also confirm, and I bet you'll hear more about him visiting with the team since those local visits don't count against the 30 draft visits you are allotted for prospects. All right, we're going to come back and kick outside to the edge position. What does Miami like at that spot and who will be on their draft board? We'll get to that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. It's one more day on the beach for me with my beautiful bride. Probably a Mai Tai in hand, even though I don't even really like Mai Tais. Waiter, you can go ahead and bring me a Tito's and soda. Let's get that fixed right away. But let's go ahead and jump into the position that I think could be bringing a few of the following names off this list to the beach, to South Beach in particular. Thank you. Go ahead and please tip your waitresses this coming season. And jokes aside, we can go ahead and cross off the top of the draft. No Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, I always say that. No Josh Allen, no Brian Burns. He is far too light to play in this defense. And so is Montez Sweat. I know I think Omar Kelly loves Montez Sweat, but that's the old defensive scheme. They're going to go away from guys like that. And he did recently uncover a medical condition with his heart, which always has guys fall in the draft. Let's just hope he's healthy. That's first and foremost. But Maurice Hurst, had the exact same thing happen last year, and he falls to the fourth round, and the Raiders get tremendous value out of him there. And even though I love Ja'Kai Polite on the football field, I can promise you that his horrible combine week where he blew off interviews, didn't take it seriously, and apparently was an ass in the meetings he had with teams, and then he goes home early, I think that takes the Dolphins or him off the Dolphins' board entirely and just skip over him, as well as the other guys I mentioned because they either go too high or they're just not scheme fits. But first, before we get into this, what do the Dolphins want at the position? Well, I talked about it with Montez Sweat, where athleticism was really the focal point in the past. Now it's more about size and position flexibility. As you look at the Patriots defensive ends, like Adrian Claiborne, for instance, Trey Flowers, Dietrich Wise even, they don't have the timing speeds as far as shuttle and and 40-yard dash time, but they are long and they can lock out and they defend the run because in this defense, the edge is the one that defends the run as far as setting the edge and freeing up the linebackers to go make plays opposed to the old defense where you had to rush the passer on the way to the run and try to make plays that way. And we saw Andre Branch fail at that miserably all the time. We saw Charles Harris, even Cam Wake had a hard time doing it because frankly, it's a goddamn tough job to do for a defensive end. So they want that length and stout run defense and they want guys again that can play with power because the pass rush in this scheme comes largely from well-timed blitzes and guys occupying blockers to free 
free up other guys to get in there, which I should add, and we'll get into this in the final segment, is a big-time strength of Jerome Baker and what he did back at Ohio State a couple of years back. Let's go ahead and get into these edge players, though, and we start in the first round with a trio of players that are legitimate possibilities at pick number 13, and we start with Ed Oliver because if he falls here, falls to this spot in the draft, something went awry early on because he is a total monster. He literally took on and beat triple teams several times at Houston. He can also play literally any position. And I'm not joking. That is not hyperbole. He can play anywhere, even probably linebacker, which I need you guys to understand how freak of nature that is to play defensive tackle and linebacker. That's that's not normal. He's a confident dude too. He did the Move the Sticks podcast a while back and talked about how he can be elite as the three, as the five, off the edge, off-ball linebacker, hell, even the nose tackle position. And I don't doubt that. He's definitely in play for the pick. And real quick, before we move on, I'm sure some of you don't know what the techniques mean. And there was a beat writer once upon a time that talked about how he thought that certain techniques meant that's how many gaps you were responsible for, which is pretty funny because a nine technique can't possibly play nine different gaps. What it means is your alignment pre-snap, like the zero technique would be right up over the front of the center's nose, and then the one technique would be off either side of that center's shoulders. The two technique is off the inside shoulder of the guard, and it just moves outward that way. So that's what it means when we talk about techniques on the defensive line. Rashawn Gary is the next guy I want to talk about, and I think I'm out on Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. His production never matched what the ability was. He's a project player as far as projecting more production at the next level, and I think he projects well in that way in terms of what his makeup is physically, but I think his bust potential is too high, and the fact that he has been accused of taking plays off, that's not going to work for Miami with this new regime. Then there's another guy that was recruited by the Dolphins defensive line coach Marion Hobby once more. Cleland Furl, I think, is a very safe pick, kind of the opposite of Rashawn Gary. He might not have the upside, probably a seven to eight sacks per year type of guy where the other guys do have the chance to possibly climb to 15 sacks and have those all pro years. He's a three down player and you likely know exactly what you're getting in terms of a stout run defender. And that's why I think the Dolphins will like him. But I would like to see him add more explosiveness off the edge if that's possible in terms of his get off the line of scrimmage. Now we push back into round two, where I think the Dolphins will love this guy as much as anybody that exists in this entire draft class. You want to talk about a high motor guy that is always cranking it up. Go watch Chase Winovich at Michigan and his highlights and watch him pursue the backside on outside zone runs away from him. Watch him chase the ball carriers down the field after big runs that got away from the Michigan defense. But what's more, watch how technically refined he is with his hands and the nuanced pass rush moves he has to set the guy up to beat him in key clutch spots. He played all over the Michigan defensive line as well. I think he'd fit that five and seven technique role beautifully. The Dolphins loved Minka Fitzpatrick last year for his preparation and professionalism and maturity. Winovich is cut from the exact same cloth. We jump back around here and look at LJ Collier from TCU, who's probably next in terms of round placement. He factors in the opposite way that Winovich does in terms of a guy that can play the five technique, but where Winovich slides outside, Collier can come inside to the three, four, and four eye technique. As a rusher, he's all about the push and pull, a feature of a two gap scheme. He's operated in a variety of schemes under Gary Patterson, whether it was two gap, one gap, even dropping back into coverage. Gary Patterson at TCU is known for his complex defense 
And I think that'll be a trait the Dolphins like in LJ Collier. He's not very high upside, but he is a safe type of five base down player on this Dolphins team. Zach Allen from Boston College, he reverts back to the Winovich model. The BC product is extremely intelligent. He plays his ass off and he can win one-on-ones off the edge, even though he's a bit stiff and not entirely athletic. He's a physical presence in the running game, a big time trait. We're going to look for at this spot and he has those heavy hands you want. Also, a fun fact about him, his mom was a cheerleader for the Dolphins back in the 90s. I talked about his athletic traits not being what it was, but again, that's not much of a requirement anymore like it has been in the past with a Charles Harris type, for instance, out of Missouri. Moving back into the mid-rounds, there's some upside with guys like Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech, the all-time collegiate sacker, but maybe he's not really that great in terms of physical presence. O'Shane Zimenez from Old Dominion had a great Senior Bowl week too, and I love this Max Crosby kid from Eastern Michigan. The same principles apply to him as Zach Allen, Chase Winovich, and oddly enough, all three of those guys are white, which is weird, but just another aside point there. But he had a game against Purdue early in the year, and this is where my, my knowledge kind of goes beyond levels that it should because I like to bet on college football and so I watch a lot of these really obscure strange games because when you bet on like Clemson Bama something weird's always going to happen you always want to find the lower level games like Purdue versus Eastern Michigan like the degenerate that I am but I found this game I watched that game and I loved Rondell Moore the electric freshman receiver from Purdue and that's why I took Purdue but Max Crosby freaking wrecked my ticket that day by destroying the Purdue offensive line so if you want to watch a guy with a high motor that can play the run on the way to the pass go check out Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan all right, we're going to put a button on this thing with a linebacker position. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkful NFL at Locked On Fins. We're going to jump into the position, I think, with the least need on this football team as far as immediate urgency goes. And I suppose we are going to hang on to Kiko for some godforsaken reason that I don't know about yet. Should be fun to watch him aimlessly run into things as fast as he can and get lost in coverage for another season. I do think the world, however, of Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan, and I've even discussed them as building blocks for this defense on various podcasts and radio shows alike. And with that, the roles of the linebackers in this defense is much different than what we're previously used to. And you're going to see all kinds of different fronts and different looks. I've talked about this many times. Do not think of this defense as a 4-3 or a 3-4 because frankly, those two packages will be the least amount of fronts the Dolphins run this entire season because both of those ask for only four defensive backs on the field and Miami will have five defensive backs on the field for at least 90% of their snaps in 2019 and then six defensive backs probably as much as 33 percent of the time we'll talk dbs tomorrow's show this is about the linebackers and really the roles these guys want to fill raekwon mcmillan on the inside they want to find a way to keep him clean in the middle which is a great tactic for what he does best because he keys really well and he doesn't take false steps and he quickly aggressively attacks the hole in front of him and if you can get guys clean in front of him he can make all kinds of plays and he's a banger inside between the a gaps i'm excited or the c gaps rather i'm excited to watch him play football this year as he is now two years removed 
from the reconstructive knee surgery. The outside backers have to be able to spill out the outside zone run because in the old defense, it was defensive ends setting the edge and taking that responsibility. In this defense, our ends will crash down and the outside linebackers will be the one the running back has to beat to the edge to get the edge. And with that, I really like Jerome Baker's chances of playing that role at a very high level. The strong side remains an open proposition. I guess they're going to put Kiko out there. I don't know, but you want someone that's better in coverage than what he is. Someone that can help blitz a little bit more and be better against the run. All three marks across the board has to get better than what Kiko Alonso is. Chase Allen, he has a role in this defense that will show a nose backer. And what that is sometimes is think of this defense as filling gaps with safeties and linebackers, because you're going to have the three down linemen and they'll commit linebackers into particular gaps inside just to make running the ball difficult based on the formation. And that's why they'll play a lot of man coverage on the outside and force the receivers to win one-on-one because you can't run. And if you can't separate man coverage, you can't pass either. And that's why some of the strength of this Patriots defense has revolved around the defensive backs so much. They'll stop the run with the scheme and shut you down on the outside with the man and think of it that way for this defense. But a lot of times these linebackers are just going to be coming up to the line of scrimmage and playing the run and Chase Allen really fits that mold in the middle of the field in the way that Rayquan McMillan can too as well. So they have two options that way. But as far as what this draft class offers, probably not going to get a lot of mileage out of it. Miami will not be in on the two Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush from LSU and Michigan, respectively. They go too high for the Dolphins' blood here. Mac Wilson could be an option in maybe the third round, but I don't think he slides that far. Blake Cashman out of Minnesota is probably a little bit slight for the position in this role in this defense, but he does have the mental makeup they will love because he always finds the football and loves to engage. He's a terrific tackler, too, which we should make a point. That's going to be a huge point of emphasis on this team going forward. I sure do like Bobby Okariki out of Stanford. He used to play safety. He'd be more of a sub-package linebacker probably later on in the draft class, somewhere around round four or five. I think there's a Notre Dame pair of linebackers that are decent players but might not fit the scheme and defense here now in Drew Tranquil and Tevion Coney. I just don't really know the Dolphins go this direction in the draft. Some further later round options like round six and beyond. Jermaine Pratt out of North Carolina State. Trey Lamar out of Clemson, even though he's a punching bag for how stiff he is. And Terrell Hanks, who he is an athletic phenom who would be like a Bobby Okariki type of player in terms of athleticism and maybe pass rusher. But I don't know that he even gets drafted. So he could fall back to being a UDFA if the Dolphins are so inclined to go in that route. So I just don't think this position group really is going to offer much for the Dolphins beyond round six or even seven, maybe even undrafted free agents. And the position as a whole is going to be different than we're used to as they're going to have some formations that have four linebackers, but a lot of times they are going to play roles that are more equipped as like a defensive line position. So it's all fluid. It's all flexible. There's going to be tons of fronts this team will run. It's just going to be a lot different than what we're used to. But as for today's podcast, guys, that is going to be my time. We'll have the defensive backs episode out tomorrow, along with your draft Twitter questions from a couple weeks back. And on Monday, we'll be back for the regularly scheduled programming on the podcast. Keep an eye on LockedOnDolphins.com for the draft board rankings and confirmed draft visits, as well as any news that has happened this week. As you guys know, I am out pre-recording these podcasts, so no news on the podcast this week, but that will do it for me today. If you have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast or Bluetooth capability in your car and pull it up right away by saying, play Locked On Dolphins podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another draft edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fancy.